So Matthew chapter 1 verse, uh, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. With that kind of introduction, it sounds like it should be pretty plain and simple. Um, it's actually a bit more like the instructions on an Ikea kit. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So that's a complication right there. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord, now that's really complicated, appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. It needed an angel to do that because nobody on earth is going to believe that story. She will bear a son and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the prophet had spoken, <coughs> sorry, what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive, here we go, shall conceive and bear a son and they'll call, or, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And <clears throat> I just want to take a few minutes just to talk about that. So really, the, the big Christian festivals, Christmas and Easter, celebrate the two big supernatural events around which our faith, yeah, it totally hinges what's founded on. If Jesus didn't come in the flesh and he wasn't resurrected, we're stuffed. And, uh, and, and, and what we talk about is really, really meaningless. And, and what's happening here is <clears throat> so bizarre as to confound thinkers through the ages to the point that people have rejected the idea, many reject this idea that God and man could be united in one place in a human body that is... 100% divine and 100% human at the same time. This is a mystery. You cannot fathom this out. How can the God of gods, the God of creation, the God who is sustaining all things by his mighty power, live in a baby and everything not collapse? Now, I'm asking the questions. I don't have the answers. I don't think you have the answers. I don't think anybody has the answers. And right there is something that we need to get used to. Is that our faith is rooted in stuff we can't understand from a human point of view. Both at the beginning and at the end. But today is Christmas, we're talking about the beginning. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He was born through a human woman by the activity of the Holy Spirit. How did he do that? How did God impregnate a woman? I don't know. How can God live inside a fetus? How could he submit himself to the traumas of birth? to the indignity of lying in a manger, to growing up as a kid. 
He's used to controlling the universe, not having his nappy changed. I mean, kids, little babies are the most dependent people. This is a profound mystery that God and man were united in one person. Emmanuel, God with us. And, you know, out he pops. And in come the worshippers, and they're like, this is a baby. This is a miracle. And this is a mystery. And, and, and we kind of sing about it, but I, 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 and, and we enjoy Christmas, but sometimes we just forget to think about, wow. Wow. When you're opening your presents and, you know, all the mayhem that happens around Christmas and the pressure and we've got to get it right. Just stop for a minute and go, my goodness, I really don't have a clue what this is about. The greatest theological minds, they'll give a name for it, but they can't explain it. You know, some people feel if we, can, if we can give it a name, then it's all right. Oh, it's called the, I forgot what the name is because it, it's, it's not used in common language, but there is a name for this union that they explain, but it still doesn't, no one can tell you how this works. It's a mystery. God and man, how? The, the, the challenge for us is to keep walking in mystery. Holy Spirit in you, how? To some level, I don't know, but it works. People getting healed, how? I don't know. I've seen tons of people getting healed. I don't know. Some people not getting healed. Why not? I don't know. Can God do it? Yes. Is it going to happen? Yes. Why doesn't it happen now? I don't know. Do, do, you, do you see the theme? This whole thing starts with something you can't explain, but is true. And then somewhere along the way, we start to get sophisticated in trying to explain everything and probably come up with things that aren't true in our attempt to explain something that's mysterious but is true. And the more sophisticated we get, the less in touch with the glory and the majesty and the mystery of it we become. There's something just to be standing awe of Jesus. The more you try and explain him, the smaller he can become. If you can put him inside a box in your head or in my head, then he's just not big enough. He's just not majestic enough. He's just not mysterious enough. He's just not powerful enough. He's just not divine enough. If we can kind of go, well, he's da-da-da-da-da. Now, some people can hear what I'm saying and go, well, then we shouldn't ask questions. No, I'm not saying we shouldn't ask questions. We should just be willing to live with not having all the answers. See, it, historically, the, the church has been blamed for sort of, quotes blind faith. So they're kind of just, because this word has come, well, it is a mystery, you just, an act of faith is to stop thinking. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, ultimately, you can't come to a conclusion about some of these things that will satisfy your intellect. It's always meant to leave you in a place of mystery, wonder, awe, and ultimately worship that God could pull this off. 
As soon as it becomes small enough in our heads, we lose the wonder because we can comprehend it. And, and, and something about this season is that it's meant to restore our wonder. And that we become like the little kids that do the nativity. Wasn't it fun last week when we did that? And it's all a bit just beyond them. But we like that. They don't remember their lines. But we cheer and we shout. And that's like us in the kingdom of heaven. It's like we're kind of toddling our way through really. As soon as we become experts, we're dangerous. But it's uncomfortable not knowing, and it's uncomfortable not understanding. And you can totally shelve your life till you figure it out, because somehow you feel you're owed an explanation. That's not true. That's just arrogant. And I think that's probably why, why Paul says that, that knowledge puffs up. It actually makes you resistant to genuine revelation and genuine experience. And one of the things God's been doing with us is connecting us to genuine experience so that our, our experience of truth walks in concert with our understanding and we're not getting way ahead. It's mystery. Christmas is mystery. Uncomfortable mystery. Unexplainable stuff. How do women get pregnant by the Holy Spirit? Imagine going into Mary Lou's crisis pregnancy center and coming up with that story. All right, let's face it, that problem is in the text. The problem of the God of the universe sustaining all things by his mighty word, being in somebody's womb is in the text. Angels worshipping. Angels manifesting on the earth because this mysterious, glorious, awesome, beautiful, wonderful, unexplainable thing is happening. Let's just join in. Whoa! That's, the, that's sufficient response. Glory to God in the highest. Things that had been stored up for eternity past, revealed in a baby. Wow. When you talk like this, Christmas gets exciting. It's not about the presents. It's about the present. You know, the, the God's gift. You can't have a death and a... It's right that we celebrate the death and the resurrection, but you can't have that without an incarnation. So Emmanuel, God, God with us. So, folks, let's be a bit more relaxed about mystery. And maybe think about the new year and let's just be up for a bit more awe and wonder and a bit less we have to have it all squared away. And, and, and the next thing, I think that I was thinking about this, the two things, God, the journey I've been on for the last six years probably could be summed up in two things. Getting to the place where I've understood that Jesus removed all the distance. There is no distance between me and the presence of God. And the second thing is restoring my true identity. 
And I think those are the two things that actually Jesus came to do. And somehow I'd forgotten or didn't know. And right here, Emmanuel, God with us, this is the first phase of resolving the issue of distance. And this also is a mystery because Jesus later on, when asked by, by Philip, I think it is, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be happy. He says, well, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Moses has a similar conversation with God and God says, well, if you see me, you'll die. Jesus is walking around as the exact representation of the Father and everybody's still living. Think about that one over your Christmas dinner. <laughs> and, and 1 John 1 talks about Jesus who came in the flesh, God who came in the flesh, and that he was from the beginning, which we have heard and which we have seen with our eyes. We have looked at and our hands have touched. This is what we proclaim, the word of life. The word of life? I thought you were talking about touching him. Well, that is it. That is the word of life. God showed up really close, and people didn't die. In fact, he got so cozied up that the apostle John, on the, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, cozies up to Jesus and leaves his head on his chest. Remember, this is God and man. There isn't a sudden bolt of electricity down his ear hole and he falls to the floor dead. He's inviting intimacy. He's showing what God is really like. And he whispers, he whispers to him, you can tell me what's really going on. And he does. But the one who, put, the one who puts his bread, he's the one wants to share his heart with you. He wants to share his mysteries. He's got to get right up close and not be afraid anymore. That's what Emmanuel means. God showed up and he wasn't scary. And that's partly why they all freaked out at him. He was nice to all the bad people and nasty to all the people who thought they were good. I mean, he confused everybody. people who thought they knew, he told them they completely got it wrong. Let's never get to that place where we think we've got it nailed. Just saying. You see, if you see me, you've seen the Father. Every barrier, it, through the life of Jesus and his death and his resurrection, every barrier between you and him is gone. There is zero work you need to do to realize he's here. Religion is based on what we have to do to fill the gap that we still are told is there. Where everything Jesus did was to say the gap is ended. There is no distance. So I, I've been learning this. and it, Don't get me wrong here. It's good to worship. But I don't need to worship to get in close. So I had the, 
Yeah, I got rid of some formulas that were in my head, like, I don't know, if I pray longer, he'll be closer, or, you know, if I confess all my sins really well, then he'll be closer, or if I have a good week, he'll be closer, or, you know, so that's basically works-based. That's not true. Jesus said, he'll never leave you or forsake you. Good day, bad day. Rainy day, snowy day. Sunny day, cold day. Worshipful day, sad day. Fasted all week, got stuffed with turkey all week. (laughs) Prayed for nine hours every day, forgot to pray for seven days. Guess what? He's still right there. The distance is not bridged by your activity. It was bridged by what he did. He came to be God with us. And he is, all the time. There's no small print in I am with you always, except on a bad week. And a really crappy week. Except on a really busy week, when all you've been doing is thinking earthly, materialistic thoughts. And what presents you have to buy, and can you bake that cake, and will it get marzipanned? I mean, at the end of that week, full of all that stuff, surely God is not still with you. He wants you to do a bit of earning his favor because you forgot about him for days. No, still there. Just need to go, oh, hi. And he goes, hi. And, and for a minute you catch yourself like, oh, you are still there. Well, I said I would be. And your problem is, well, I haven't thought about you for ages. Well, I've been thinking about you. Uh, well, aren't you going to tell me off? For what? You know that Bible verse that says there's no condemnation? It really is true. Just saying. It's like, well, it's really true for Andy, and it's really true for the band, but no condemnation, not true for me. If every time you talk to God, you get condemned, you're not talking to God. Every time you come to church, you get condemned. You're listening to something you shouldn't be listening to. There is no condemnation because it's not present in him. Like it's not there to be had because what was there to be had got exhausted in Jesus on the cross. Well, you know, that doesn't apply to me. Well, sad. Carry on right there with all your condemnation stuff. You don't need to feel bad to get better with God. Well, I really feel bad about all this Christmas stuff in my head. Why? It's Christmas. Just tell someone next to you, it's Christmas, by the way. I'm going to see my family. I'm going to eat so much food that I put on several pounds. I'm probably going to drink a little bit more than I should, even as a Christian. Guess what? Guess what? You're still there. Then you go, oh, God, I ate too much. Well, probably you did, but I'm still, I'm still here. Let's work on that gym plan together in the new year. <laughs> Guess what? He's at the gym. He's with you at the gym. He's with you at the office. He's with you when all the people around you are swearing. 
is with you when you're at the office party and they're all drunk and you're not. He's still there. He didn't get scared off by their blasphemy, by their drunkenness. He's not scared of them. He's not afraid of you. He's not afraid of your behavior. You can't scare him off. You're stuck with him. That's what it means. Emmanuel, God's with us. He's with you. He's just there all the time. You say, hi, God. He says, hi. And he doesn't do... My, my, mom, my mom's sick, sick with Alzheimer's, but there was this thing that she used to do when she was a bit more with it, when I'd ring her up. And, you know, the son-mom thing, it'd been a few weeks. And you ring up and it's like, it's really great to hear from you. It's been a while. You know that? I'm not the only one then, eh? So you kind of think, okay, I haven't talked to you, God, for ages. So you're like, hi, God, how are you doing? He's like, hi. But you don't get that it's been a while. There's no, hmm, you know, a little bit of manipulation, a little bit of, Let's just sort of use that sort of emotional. He says, hi. This is fun, isn't it? I'm like, what's fun? Hanging out. Oh, I mean, you're enjoying this. Yeah, why aren't you? Well, I thought I wasn't supposed to. Well, at least not for at least 10 minutes or half an hour or a day of penance. Well, you carry on and, and have a depressed time, but I'm, I'm enjoying being with you. Because he's God with me. He never leave me or forsake me. Ne- never. Small word, big meaning. Have you been alive forever? Yet. You are going to live forever. He's already been around forever. You know that, don't you? And when, so all I'm trying to say is he knows what never means. Because he's been there at the beginning and the end. And he's like, I'm, I've seen the whole thing and I'm never going to leave you. And you're like, never. Surely there'll be a point in the future where it might go wrong. Well, he knows and he says, no, no it never will. one day when you've been alive for a really long time and then you're with him, you're like, oh yeah, he never left me. And then he'll say, yeah, I told you. Is this a good Christmas message or what? Point three, and then the, it's present time. Okay. So the third thing about this is God shows up in a way that you can uncomprehend him and is meaningful to you. So he didn't come as a ten-legged, four-eyed, green monster with jelly for blood. Or he didn't come as the Ezekiel God. If you, some people never get past the first chapter of Ezekiel when they read it because it's all about wheels within wheels and eyes on the wheels and, 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 and glass that's like sea and, and you're like, you're on drugs, man. You're just like, you're tripping. This is his vision of God. Jesus, when he got birthed out of Mary, he wasn't this set of wheels with eyes on. He wasn't some sort of super funky heavenly bike. And he's kind of 
doing what a funky heavenly bike would do. And everybody's going like, wow, that's God. It's just like what Ezekiel saw. What is he like? Well, he's almost beyond description. He's weird. He's got eyes all around the rims and the wheels don't work. They go in different directions at the same time. This guy is like, well, he's not even a guy. He's an it. Cain is a person. God communicated to us in someone that looked like us. That had to go to the bathroom. That wept, that ate, that slept, that pooed. I mean, this is the Son of God. I totally get this guy. The whole wheels thing, I would have struggled with that from right the first day. Is that true of you? I can't even imagine what that thing looks like. I mean, I think Ezekiel was the Holy Spirit, but the rest of the book, you just need to read it one day and just get it over with. (laughs) I'll not get off on Ezekiel, because actually, Ezekiel is the book, the text that God used to put a call on my life, so I haven't got a thing against him. It's just a bit incomprehensible. But Emmanuel, God with us, is God showing up in a way, God comes in a way that you can get him. And the Bible is full of this. And again, there's a big technical word for it. But the point is that he shows up in a way that you get. He appears in a form that is meaningful to you. So the Bible is full of the hand of God, the eyes of the Lord. And and, and Jesus is pictured as a lion and a lamb. Is he really a lion and really a lamb? Probably not. Does God have actual hands? Probably not. But to us, the effect is that he has hands and he has eyes and he is a lion and he is a lamb. And because we get all that stuff. And then we know something about him because he's appearing to us in a way that we get it. So he comes as a man because we get that. He cuts him, he bleeds. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? So he comes to us all the time in a way that we get it. This is really helpful, but sometimes we can miss it because I was taught that God speaks to me through the Bible, period. But when God went to communicate to us, he didn't send us a book, he sent us a person. And the person never wrote a book. Which is... For people in our generation and in our culture, it's like, why would you do that? If you're important, you write a book. He didn't write a book. People that hung around him wrote books, but he didn't write a book. Let's just be clear about that. Why? Because he's communicating. God is manifesting himself to us in a way and in a form that we get. So even the book is to talk about how he lived as a person so that we could understand something about who we are which is our identity, because he's living our true identity. Which is a whole other subject, which we'll get onto someday. But he is, he is showing you how amazing you are. He is, the, he is the you you can be. He's the first of a you kind of person. So God is in a human body. God shows up in a burning bush. 
and bushes burned often, you know, so Moses' attention is arrested by it, but God can show up, God can be in a bush. God can be in, God can be in, do you get it? Do you get what I'm saying? So if we're going through life, how is he communicating to you? Well, I've experienced all kinds of really exciting ways because he's, he's very sensitive to what works for me. So years ago now, I wasn't doing so well. I found myself, and I was in this sort of depressed place. I found myself singing in the shower one morning. And I often sing little choruses, worship, waking myself up, humming away or something in the shower. And I'm starting to sing, and I'm thinking that's what I'm doing in my head. But as I listen to what I'm singing, I'm singing Simon and Garfunkel's The Boxer. And I feel like I'm singing it to Jesus. But, you know, in a clearing stands a boxer and a fighter by his trade. It's not your normal hymn, is it, really? <laughs> and he carries the reminder of every glove that laid him down and cut him till he cried out in his anger and his pain. I am leaving, I am leaving, but the fighter still remains. Click, 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 click. And I'm in this, but the fighter still remains. I'm like, God starts to speak to me through the boxer. Says you may be feeling down, but you're not out. You're a fighter. You're still there. And I came home from, from, from a meeting that was really awkward. We've been going through this really awkward, awful time. And on our dresser was a CD case of a CD I never knew we possessed. We discovered later that one of our lodgers had left it. And the CD title was All Your Troubles End Tonight. God just went boom into my heart. And it was true. So he's leaving these sort of trails of, of things around our lives to speak to us. And if we just think he only speaks through the Bible, we just, all these love letters, all these kisses from heaven, all these, all these little pointers to him, all these things that are trying to speak to us in ways that are meaningful to us, we could just sort of, and we're missing it. He's kind of set up your whole day. Because he's God with us. He's Emmanuel. He's manifesting himself in your life in ways that are meaningful to you. Remember Peter denied Jesus three times? The Bible's full of interesting details because he denied him next to a fire. Is that right? It was a charcoal fire. Actually, in the text, it's a charcoal fire. And then remember when he restores him and he's cook, Jesus is cooking breakfast on the beach and, and, and Peter you know, swims to the shore and he's cooking breakfast. It says there's a charcoal fire. Oh, come on. Next to this charcoal fire, he denies him three times. Next to the charcoal fire, is affirmed by Jesus three times. It just sets up the whole atmosphere. It's like... The same smells are in the air. You know, the heat is coming at him. The environment is sort of... And then, you know, at this previously, you know, weeks earlier, it was the point of he's abandoning his Lord. And now the Lord is in his face saying, I'm not abandoning you. That is loaded, isn't it? Emotionally. You know, the, the spitting to get blind people to see that Jesus did. I mean... What's that all about? I haven't seen anybody in the healing ministry adopt that as a technique. <laughs> but it's clearly in the text. 
you know, he spits on people's tongues. He spits into, makes mud and sticks it in people's eyes. I mean, this is not going to fly in 21st century UK, is it? Come on. (laughs) Jesus is gobbing on everybody, it seems. What's going on? See, if you, if you are blind, particularly if you are born blind, because of what it said in Deuteronomy, it is seen as a curse. And so if you are carrying blindness, if you are a blind person, you are perceived as being cursed. And so people spat on you because you are cursed. Jesus is about to heal the blind guy, and he hears, but this time it heals him. That's going to do something to you. That's God redeeming. It's changing the message of your life. See, he knows what pushes your button. He knows what communicates. He can come to you in a burning bush. He can come to you. He can come to you in a CD. He can come to you in a song. He can come to you in a way that you need him to come, in a way that's meaningful to you, because he's Emmanuel and he's God with us. Is God manifest in your life? He's never leaving you or forsaking you. He's always there. He's never condemning you. He's always on. And he's got a way of communicating to you in a way that's meaningful. Am I saying don't read your Bible? That's not what I'm saying. God speaks to me through the Bible all the time. It's a brilliant place to be. And it keeps us from getting off into craziness. I'm actually preaching the Bible right now. God will manifest himself to you over and over again in all kinds of unique and beautiful ways. So don't be afraid of mystery. That's what Christmas is about. Don't get up in the thought that there's distance. All the distance ended in Christ. He's God with us. And don't think that God's not speaking to you. He's speaking to us all the time in all kinds of different ways. We just kind of tune into it and have a broader perspective than just he's got to do it this way because he's God with us can't explain how he did it but he is so just stand and thank him and then we're going (coughs) to Jesus I want to thank you that you showed up in a way that I could get you and yet at the same time I don't know how to explain how you did it. And thank you that you come to me in ways that speak to me meaningfully. Sometimes in the hottest or most difficult of situations, you are there and it's instant and it's meaningful. Thank you this Christmas, you are God with us. And when we just turn on to you, you're there, no condemnation, no guilt. We haven't got to earn some pleasure. You delight in us. So we love you, Jesus. We think we just stand in awe <laughs> that you came. And we thank you that you did. Amen.